0: Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Lord, as we move forward in the book of Romans, God, I pray that you would touch every heart this morning. Meet the needs that are out there this morning. God, we're grateful for your word. We're so blessed by your word. Move within us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listen, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. And I'm excited about my message. I'm continuing a series called Know the Why. And the title of this morning's message is, No Condemnation, No Freedom. No as in no condemnation. No freedom as in understanding or receiving uh, freedom. So no condemnation, no freedom. It's a play on words. And we're looking at and studying through the book of Romans. And we're in Romans 8 this morning. So grab your smart device or your Bible and we're going to start our journey through Romans 8, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Romans, but I want to take you back to where we started. We started in Romans chapter 1. And in that segment of my message, I shared an illustration with you that I think is so profound and it emphasizes the importance the uh, the magnitude of impact that the book of Romans has had on certain individuals. Back on May 24th, 1738, there was a discouraged missionary who was very unwillingly going to go to a revival meeting or a teaching in London. And there, a miracle took place at 845 in the evening. He later wrote in his journey, listen to this. I'm going to quote it. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ. Christ alone for salvation and an assurance, an assurance was given me that he had taken away all my sins, even mine and saved me from the law of sin and death. That's a missionary. He's a missionary and he gets saved at an evangelistic event. And that missionary, by the way, was John Wesley. And the message he heard that evening was an introduction to Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. Just a few months before that, John Wesley had written in his journal, and I'll quote, I went to America to convert the Indians, but oh, who shall convert me? So here's a missionary out on the field who's not even convinced that he is saved. And so God moved that evening in London at Aldersgate Street, and John Wesley's question was answered and the result was a great Wesleyan revival. A revival broke out through John and It swept throughout and across England and it transformed that nation. Well, Paul's epistle to the Romans is still transforming our lives today. In just the same way that it transformed Martin Luther's life, the same way it transformed John Wesley's life. In fact, the Protestant Reformation and the Wesleyan Revival were both products or fruit of the, the wonderful uh, things that Paul wrote from Corinth when he wrote the letter to the church in Rome, those those Gentile and Jewish believers in Rome. And, and the letter was carried to Christians at Rome by one of the deaconesses of the church. In Centria. Her name was Sister Phoebe, and that's found in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Now, imagine you and I can read and study the same inspired letter that brought life and power to both Luther and Wesley. It's, it's astonishing. And the same Holy Spirit who taught them can teach you and I today. Uh, you and I can experience the revival that they experienced in our homes, in our churches, across the land, if this message in the book of Romans grips your heart and soul like it did these men of faith. Later on, Martin Luther wrote this, and I'll quote, he said, the epistle to the Romans is the true masterpiece of the New Testament and the very purest gospel, which is well worth deserving that a Christian man should not learn it by heart, Should learn it by heart word for word, but also that he should daily deal with it as daily bread to men's souls. He goes on to say, it can never be too much or too well read or studied. And the more it's handled, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. Talking about the book of Romans. So here we go. Here's our text this morning. Starting with Romans uh, verse 1 in Romans 8 verses 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Fantastic verse, liberating verse, brings freedom. But I wanted you to keep in mind something. We're moving forward from a study, a prior study, of Romans chapter seven, where Paul discloses some rather personal things about himself, things that he's struggling with. In fact, he becomes very transparent with us in Romans seven. And he states that he's a slave to sin. And when he tries to do what he knows is right, he inevitably does what's wrong. He does the wrong things. His thoughts later at the end of chapter seven In Romans, verse 24, here's what he says. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul, the apostle, he wrote that. He says, what a miserable person I am. Who's going to free me from the life, from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Paul, the apostle, wrote this. He's Christianity's New Testament hero. And he says, what a miserable person I am. Paul's declaring here his sinfulness. But then he asks, I think, one of the most important questions. He says, who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Who's going to free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? And death. And Paul doesn't leave us hanging here with an unknown or an uncertain or an unanswerable question. He shouts from the mountaintop a victory because he's experienced the victory. In verse 25 of Romans 7, he says, Thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. He's thanking God because the answer, and he gives us the answer, to our sin problem. The death issue that we're all contending with at some point in time, the answer is Jesus Christ. So, listen, I think most of us, we want to be good, but we end up doing the very things that we don't want to do. And our inner being wants to please God, but the power to do so is it's really out of our grasp. We're in bondage is what Paul's declaring. In fact, he uses himself as a personal illustration that he's in bondage to sin. And so he shares a very personal, transparent experience that he constantly has in chapter seven. That's the lead in to understanding what Romans eight verses one and two say. So let me go back to verse one of Romans eight, because now Paul introduces a new experience. The other experience, the old experience, in chapter seven is one that contends with sin, that fails in sin. And now he's rolling into chapter eight, verse one, where it says, now, and I'm gonna read it again, there's no condemnation, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. This in itself is an amazing statement, but it's even more gripping when we understand the term condemnation. Listen to this, it carries the idea or the concept of penal servitude, which means it's imprisonment with hard labor in in prison. You're confined in a prison, hard labor, you're stuck there. Let me give you an example. I thought about this, this word condemnation and, and what it means in light of what we're studying, what it means in light of you and I, who the Bible says we're sinners, and yet we have victory over sin, Now, think about this. Think about this. It's like serving a life sentence. You've been convicted. You've been uh, judged. And now you're serving a life sentence in a maximum security prison. Listen, you spend all day there, all night, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It's a life sentence. You, as time passes, you get older and older. You're in a maximum security prison with a life sentence. You never, you're, you're never going to experience freedom again. Never realizing, now catch this, never re- realizing the whole time that you're locked up, the door to your cell is unlocked. It's closed but it's unlocked. You never went over to the door to shake it or to see if it's opened or locked. You just assumed you're there forever. You're in bondage. But the whole time you're there, that door's been unlocked. You could have walked out at any time free to go. I think that's what Paul's saying. Many Christians live in bondage. They struggle with their past, past regrets, past failures, and they don't realize the freedom we have In Christ Jesus, that's why Paul says emphatically, he says, there's no condemnation for those. No condemnation. There's not a judgment. There's not a prison sentence. You are no longer in bondage if you are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And see, the amazing theme of, of Romans 8 is this. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in us, in achieving, the work of the Holy Spirit in in achieving our liberation. In other words, our pardon, our freedom, our victory. The theme of chapter 8 of Romans is the Holy Spirit. It it mentions the Holy Spirit 20 times. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, capital S, signifying deity. The Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit liberates you and I to an understanding and a knowledge that there is no condemnation. It doesn't matter what you've done, what your past looks like. When you and I are in Christ, followers of Jesus, Jesus is in our heart. That prison door has been opened. We are free. We're liberated. The Bible tells us that our sins, they're, they're remembered no more. Now, Romans 8 is not only the chapter of the Holy Spirit liberating us, it's uh, an understanding, an acknowledgement that there's no condemnation. Now you can know, K-N-O-W, freedom, freedom. So here's my prayer. My prayer for you this morning is this, that you'd move from living in Romans 7, to residing in Romans chapter 8. That you would move from living in Romans 7, a slave to sin, succumb to sin, walking as a failure, moving out of that realm into Romans 8, walking in the victory of Jesus Christ, understanding that there's no condemnation. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, in Christ you're free. You've been set free. That's my prayer this morning for each one of you watching. Now, I want to focus on the Holy Spirit's liberating work in us. And we see that in verses 2 through 4 in Romans 8. Let me read it to you. It says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Because you belong to him, you've been freed from sin, from death. To Christ, And the law of Moses was a, unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this. So that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. So verse 2 introduces the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing liberation. Now I want to stop and pause here. And and I just want to pray for you as we continue. I want to pray that God would continue to move in your heart. Father... I pray as we continue our journey through Romans, especially now that you touch the heart of each person watching, that you would draw them to a revelation of your truth that there's no condemnation. There's freedom in you, Jesus. And that freedom is liberating. That freedom tastes so good, but so many unbelievers haven't experienced that. So those who are watching, those uh, that are believers that are watching, would experience that taste of freedom that comes only through you, that people would stop listening to the lies that are out there, the lies from the enemy, that once you've screwed up, you're a screw-up forever. God, I pray that you would redeem the minds and bring clarity and freedom to everyone who's listening this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 2 in Romans 8 introduces the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing liberation. Look what it says, it says, because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit. Again, the capital S uh, signifying the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We've been freed from the power of sin, signed, sealed and delivered because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now here's, here's something that I wanna point out to you. That word sin, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation I enjoy that translation because it's easy to understand, easy to read. There's many translations of God's Word that I love. I love the King James, the New King James. I love the English Standard version, the ESV. One of my favorites is the New American Standard. But right now I'm reading out uh, the new Living translation, and it's using the word "sin." In some translations, it, it's, the word "law" is used. And that, what it does is it carries the idea, or the principle that you were under an old principle of sin and death. Paul's declaring that you and I have been under an old principle of sin and death. And now ha- that principle is transcended by the new principle, which is life in Christ. And so because of that, you and I are free. We're free in Christ. So the old principle, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, showed us our sin. It stirred up the sin within us so that we sinned even more. And and then it brought us to a place of condemnation. But the new principle, the new covenant established by the blood of Jesus Christ, it liberates us. Death has been replaced with life. So here, Paul gives the Holy spirit, the title, the spirit of life. You see it. Doesn't it make sense in Christ? We have the spirit of life, eternal life. Now, He reminds us of the first mention of the Spirit in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when the Spirit brought forth creation, ex nihilo. That's the term for the Spirit's creativity and creation. And that same creative power is a characteristic in this new principle, the new covenant of the Spirit of God that's giving life to, to something that's dead. And he calls things that are not as though they were. That's Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Now, the law held up its perfect standard, but listen to this. It was unable to empower us to live up to that standard. When I say the law, I'm talking about the old covenant. And there was nothing wrong with the law. The problem lay with Our weakness in the flesh listen to what verse 3 of Romans 8 says it says the law of Moses was unable to save us because the weakness of our sinful nature so God did what the law could not do he sent his own son in a body like bodies we sinners have and in that body God declared an end to sins control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins So since our flesh is inadequate, God sent Christ in the likeness of sinful man. Uh, Paul's really careful here in in his verbiage, in his vernacular, in the words that he uses when he pens this letter. Uh, He didn't say that Christ came uh, in sinful flesh because that would imply that sin was in him. Christ was sinless. Nor did he say likeness of flesh, because that might imply only uh, that Christ only seemed to be in the flesh. He said the likeness of sinful man, because Christ took on man's flesh. He, Jesus took on human nature. He was 100% man and 100% God, but he was without sin. So here's, here's the point for us today, Christ Jesus became our sin offering, and he he took on our sin without sinning he took it on thus his flesh his human nature remained strong and unfallen and as a result jesus condemned sin in sinful man that is jesus conquered sin he conquered it you don't have to conquer it jesus conquered sin it's a done deal it signed sealed and delivered it's a done deal. Jesus did the work. He conquered sin. He's given you the victory. And that's what it means for us. Here in verse 4 of Romans 8 it says, "He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit." What are you doing today? Are you following your sinful nature? Or are you following the Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit creates a, a, a new humanity, which, which is it's characterized according to the Spirit or walking in the Spirit. And, and it's our union with Jesus Christ, whose flesh never sinned. Jesus never sinned. And so we've been infused with Christ. We've been redeemed and saved, and set free. There's no condemnation. You and I have been empowered with the Spirit of Jesus Christ to live free, walking in the Spirit. So everything the law required is now realized in the lives of those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's liberating. That's freedom. And that's the message this morning no condemnation no freedom no condemnation no understand embrace inherit receive the freedom that comes through knowing jesus christ i want to give you an opportunity this morning to ask the lord jesus to be your lord and savior the bible tells us that all who call upon the name of the lord shall be saved if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us you will be saved. Maybe you've been brought up in church your whole life and you're watching this morning and you you kind of feel like everything's okay between you and God. But can you point to a time where you declared with your mouth, in prayer, with your heart, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If you've never done that before, you must do that right now. I want to encourage you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you do that, you receive forgiveness of sins for all your sins, past, present, yes, and even sins that you'll commit in the future. God has provided forgiveness through his son who died on the cross, took on all of our sin, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave after they buried him. Three days later, Jesus rose and he's still alive and he can be living within you right now as your Lord and Savior I want you to pray this prayer with me. Maybe you need to rededicate your life this morning. I want to encourage you to to pray this prayer with me. It's a very simple prayer, but pray it with your heart. Here we go. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave, and I now ask you, to be my Lord and savior, be the master of my life in Jesus name. Amen. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer or if you rededicated your life to the Lord this morning, I want you to do something. Would you text the word pray? If you have the ability or a phone to do that, text the word pray to the number that you see on the screen right now. And I want to connect with you and keep the relationship going. I want to encourage you in your spiritual journey. And, And listen, I want to welcome you to the family of God this morning. You did well. Don't go anywhere. We're going to continue to worship. And then uh, I'll see you next week. God bless you.